Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, a Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. It is a wild day in Trailblazers fandom. Um, we have aged probably two years. We were just talking about episodes, you know, that we did an extra episode. It feels like we've aged an extra year in the last week. Today alone, it feels like it's just been madness. I feel a little bit like my brain decided to go on vacation about halfway through the day and without any warning. So I'm still trying to, you know, push along without it. Dave, how are you? (laughs) Is your brain still functioning? Yeah, my brain's still functioning. It's just been bombarded by a hundred different things today. And I've been doing radio and podcasts and interviews like all day long because all of a sudden you know news has been a little slow lately especially in the last end of that neil investigation like everything stopped and now it's like bam 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 it's like hey everything's falling apart how you doing oh well okay (laughs) doing all right thanks for asking me you know you could have come two weeks ago when things had a direction but okay yeah it sure feels like it i mean we 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 kind (laughs) of actually the media is like your ex like not your ex annex like (laughs) things are going fine they're gonna leave you alone everything's falling apart hey how's it going over there hey let's talk hey (laughs) wow your life sucks huh well yeah yeah. one of my one of my favorite things right now is twitter spaces it's it's a, a feature of twitter where you can go in and you can you know talk live with people on twitter which we're gonna do later but I've been jumping in them randomly. You know, I'll see I'll see at the top of my feed these headlines of Dame this and Dame that. And so I've been jumping in there and just listening to non-Blazer fans talking about what's currently going on is wild. Like when I sit there and listen to people processing it who haven't been along for the ride, I just, it hits me how wild all of this really has been. And even just where we're at right now, like, man, who would have thought? A year ago, who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought? You know what I just discovered? I have a big mixing board in front of me, and I also have cats, and the cats think the mixing board is warm and likes like to lie down on it. So, like, a couple of buttons were pushed. So if you only heard D in your left ear or right ear, that is why. Dia belongs in all your ears, by the way. But uh, welcome, so cat, welcome Kitty's to the cats. Been, <laughs> Kitty's been tuning out Dia here. Why are you paying attention to her? Pay attention to me. Her and her and all the people. It's That's fine. Her. It's exactly. fine. I get it. I get it. So just this week, we've got three games, all of which were losses. We've got Neil Olshay being fired. We've got Dame Nasir CJ all with injuries. We've Anthony got Simons. Anthony Simons as well. How did I miss that one? Anthony Simons as well. We've got... uh, You know how I know that? C.J. Ellaby played. (laughs) I'm like, C.J. Ellaby, what's he playing for in the second quarter? And it's like, oh, wait, that's because everybody else is gone. I mean, no insult to C.J. He's just probably not quite ready for those And Norm, too. And Norm was injured as well. Yeah, he's back at least. He's back. Dame, Nasir, C.J., Ant, Norm, all injured this week. Neil Olshay fired, interim GM, a whole debacle with the coaching and, you know, rumors about the team being upset with the coaching and rumors about where Dame's going to go and what's going to happen now and back and forth in the media and all this. Like, I, I feel like I know we said we weren't going to use roller coaster anymore as you know, because we've been constantly saying how this is a roller coaster, but good Lord, are we ever getting off of it? This is like the roller coaster that will never end. This is like throwing up on the roller coaster. It's just like, oh, I <laughs> did all this happen. Oh, I don't want to do this again. Can we get off and go on uh, a different one? I don't even want to go on a different one. I want to get off and I want to go on the boat. You don't like roller coasters nice... anyway, do you? I love roller coasters. Wait a minute. Okay. The girl who won't eat like sushi or anything spicier than oatmeal 
likes roller coasters? I am not adventurous with my food, but I am a very adventurous person. Okay. I love roller coasters. I want to do like I want to go skydiving. I am all for it. Okay, so took the kids to Cedar Point last year. You know, you're familiar with that. It's in Sandusky, I'm Ohio, biggest not. roller coaster park in the country. Uh, okay. Amazing, and they were a little like my son driving up to it, looked at all the coasters and went, I don't think I'm going to like this. And like, it took like half a day as like, yeah, we were roller coaster pros and it was awesome. So highly recommend it. It's fantastic. Yeah. We, I, when, I mean, I grew up in Oregon and, and when I was a freshman in high school, our church youth group took a trip down to great America, which is somewhere in California. Mm -hmm. And my, I was 14 and my mom went with us and we got, my mom loves roller coasters and we got on the first roller coaster and she was like, I don't know how you're gonna feel about this. And it was a wild, one. like we just went right for it. And I was addicted from that point on, and I love them. I, I mean, there's a lot of theme parks around here, but I'm, I'm a big. I'm, although I have noticed that the older I get, the less tolerance I have for it. I used to have. I mean, I used to be able to do back to back to back all day long, and and now I have to kind of take a break here and there. <laughs> yeah, happens when you get old. So, quick roller coaster story. Then we get to the Blazers. Took the kids to Disneyland several years ago. Uh, Wait, did you just call me old? <laughs> Took the kids to just, Disneyland just, several just years right ago. Okay, so my daughter at the time was, I think the first time we went, she might have been seven or eight. Okay, perfect age for Disneyland. But we went on Space Mountain and she wanted to ride with her brother. So my ex and I were in the back and she and her brother were in the front and she'd never been on anything that, you know, daring. So we rode through it. I kind of kept my hand up on her shoulder, kept saying, hey, how you doing, Allie? How you doing? Whatever. You know, she wasn't answering. So I'm envisioning this child like breaking down at the end of the ride and like white as a ghost. So the ride stopped. I said, well, how was it, Allie? And there was a second of silence. And I'm going, oh, I'm the terriblest father in the world. And I hear that was awesome and her hands went up in the air and she like threw her fists in the air and it's like we all laughed and then we went on it 12 times it was really cool so yeah yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan of that kind of roller coasters i'm not a big fan of this kind of roller coaster i like my life simple i like little to no drama if possible um so i this is not my favorite this this back and forth and up and down and loop-de-loo life we have with the trailblazers right now it's a lot Let's start here. Let's start with the games because there's really probably not a whole lot we want to talk about, <laughs> but let's get them out of the way. We had San Antonio Spurs. We had Boston Celtics. We had Clippers. Sadly, our, our streak does not continue and, and we lost them all. Well, their streak continues, but our streak on the podcast of having 50% wins to talk about. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. No, two in two weeks. Okay, how's zero in three? Yeah, so basically, long story short, can't defend anybody. I mean, that's the the defense was pretending to defend sometimes, and now it looks like they've just kind of given up. A couple of players are hustling pretty hard, but those players aren't adequate to what's being asked of them, so it's kind of falling apart. Um, Yusuf Nurkic, bless his heart, out there trying to do all the stuff, but is just not quick enough to go up and down three-point arc to rim, not getting enough help from his teammates. Uh, opponents are getting through too quickly. Uh, CJ McCollum, every once in a while, brilliant play, but then mostly not. Guards aren't experienced enough. Damian Lillard is injured. Uh, small forward, you got Norman Powell, who's too short. Nasir Little is okay, but he's like uh, Leroy Jenkins in the, you know, the World of Warcraft, just <laughs> charging in, trying to make something happen, and it's doing nothing. And, you know, the power forwards are both help defenders, and there's not enough solidity. We said this from the beginning of the season, not enough around them that they can help. I mean, you can't rush in and plug a gap when it's all gap. So uh, it's it's just not working. Uh, it's, it's frankly horrible at this point. Uh, the only game where it was slightly better was against the Clippers, and the reason it was better against the Clippers was twofold. First of all, you had people on the court who really, 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 really sold all out to play. Uh, these are players who are new under the Chauncey system and not just new like it's new to everybody but like this is their third year so this is like okay here's my chance here's an opportunity they're going all out to play it also the Clippers can't hit anything beyond the arc so the Blazers didn't have to worry about that Yusuf Nurkic could fall back into the paint 
people could play against penetration and just let the Clippers shoot at the arc and the Clippers didn't make them pay. The Blazers eventually lost, but at least the defense looked better, but that's not going to happen against any team that isn't literally the worst in the league at shooting three-pointers. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's bad. It's really, really, really super bad. And unless that defense gets plugged, it's hard to envision them winning a lot under normal circumstances, let alone with no starting guards and then Ant out as well. There's just too much scoring to make up. Yeah. I've reached this kind of weird place of peace (laughs) with where we're at. Like I, I usually am a little bit of a crazy fan. I watch the games and I yell and I jump and I pace around and I do whatever, you know, if I have a tendency, one of my favorite things to do is to go to local like sports bars and watch the games with other people, especially in LA because it's LA. And so you get all kinds of different fans of all kinds of different teams. So I really like to do that, but I also have a tendency to get into it with other people that are fans of the other teams that are there. Um, So I tend to be a little bit of a passionate fan, but I found that where we're at right now, I'm kind of at this weird, like just place of acceptance that this is where we're at right now. The stages of grief, (laughs) bargaining, (laughs) acceptance, denial. Yeah. I think I've been through a lot of these actually. Um, And, and so I'm, I'm kind of at this place of acceptance where um, until something changes, this is where we're at. And, and, you know, it's funny because we've, dealt with so many injuries previously that tends to be kind of our mo like we talk about this year after year after year how this is the team that is plagued with injuries and i kind of forgot about that for a little while because we weren't there and then all of a sudden here they come and it's like oh yeah this is this is real familiar but i'm kind of in this weird place where it's like okay it's okay. Like they're, they're going to get those taken care of. Now the GM is gone. We've got someone in the interim that will hopefully start to make move. Now, now is where I start to think, okay, let's just sit tight. Let's put on the seatbelt. Let's buckle up. Let's wait for the ride. And, and, and something's going to happen. We're not going to be sitting here shuffling our feet, waiting for a move. Like something is going to happen. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Right. So I think you're right. I, the injury thing has only been recently. The Blazers were actually among the healthiest teams in the league right. for a while, but right. they are also getting old, and so this is going to happen. But also, I, look, you keep implying that I'm old, Dave. Also, what? <laughs> oh, sorry, my bad. Uh, <laughs> in any case, at this point, it's all shrug worthy. I mean, they were 500 ish without injuries, and now they're three games below 500 with injuries. Now, granted, that's going to get lower, but it's not like they were setting the world on fire. And we've been through this dance before, give or take one or two seasons. The Blazers always find a way to find mediocrity. I mean, it's uh, it's either injuries or the draw in the playoffs or something happens, you know, if only this person had done this or if only this trade had happened then or whatever it was. So, you know, I'm not fatalistic about it. It's just we always reach this point of the season where we're going, okay, shift the expectations. We're not going to get that far above mediocre. Let's settle for good, and then let's see what happens. And this year, just what we're settling for is coming a little sooner and at a little lower point. But it's basically the same thing, and I think everybody in the universe is starting to get the idea that that story isn't going to change until the roster changes. The good news for us is likely the roster will change. We've been sitting there for the last few years feeling like, I, I, at least I have felt like it's a toss-up if the roster changes or not. And if it does, it's most likely not going to be anything big. Whereas right now, I'm actually on the cusp of feeling like we're actually going to make some changes. And, and now maybe maybe we're going to the glass half full thing again. Maybe I shouldn't put the needle ahead of the thread. What's the saying? The horse ahead of the carriage? No, the horse is supposed to go ahead of the carriage. The carriage ahead of the... Isn't there a saying like that? Dia, nobody uses horses anymore. We now have, like, cars, (laughs) so... (laughs) Don't count your chickens before they're hatched. (laughs) Don't count your chickens before they're in the carriage. Yeah, exactly. Um, I... I, Now I forgot my point. Oh, I'm starting to feel like maybe there's hope. Like, (laughs) this is already going off the rails. Yeah, there is. Like, maybe... Maybe maybe we stand a chance here. Maybe there's going to be some legit change. It feels like that. It feels like even though we're in this weird place, even though it feels like we have aged 
a, a, a lot over the last two days, even though it feels like just it, it keeps we keep getting bombarded with thing after thing after thing after thing. There's also, for me at least, this underlying feeling of hope that it has to go up from here. Like we're at a place where things have to change. We we don't have the GM we had. We're n- nobody else is going to do things the way that he did. Hopefully, so from here there has to be change, and that change can't make it worse. Like it's it's got to get better. It's got to get better. At least First it's of all, changed. Sacramento says hello, but uh, <sighs> look, Dia, haven't you haven't you heard that? Valiant Neil Olshay was protecting us from wicked Damian Lillard, who wanted to trade CJ and four first round picks for Ben Simmons and is insisting right now in the middle of the season from the bench injured on getting a contract extension for two years and a hundred million dollars. Like right in the middle of the season, he apparently wants this and is bringing it up right now. You've not heard this? I mean, you can't, you can't. I have to comment on this whole contract extension thing. People are acting outraged. Like, how could... If you were at a point... First of all, we've been talking about this max extension forever. Like, we knew that this option was coming up. This isn't new news. But the fact that people are outraged or shocked by the idea of someone of Dame's caliber actually asking for the money that they that is technically available to them. I mean, obviously, it's not that simple. But, like, who in their right mind is going to say, oh, yeah, that's a possibility, but oh, I think I'll pass. Like, no, you're going to go for it. You're going you're gonna to ask for it. You're not going to just let it sit on the table. Oh, I wish we had Neil Olshay back to protect us from these things. I mean, Dame's, I just can't even. Dame's oh, out that's... of control now. I mean, gosh, <laughs> however will a new GM fill those shoes? I don't know. They're yeah, coming Dame into is... such chaos now that Neil is gone. How could we ever have thought poorly of him? Says Dame is, Adrian Wojnarowski really... of ESPN News, who has the inside scoop <laughs> on all things Neil. And oh gosh, Dame I is, pledge is allegiance is... to the Neil of the. Okay. <laughs> Dame is, you know, he really has a reputation for being difficult. That oh yeah, Dame. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, Dame would have been nothing if it hadn't have been for Neil. Thank God that Neil got Dame's career on the right track. Yeah. Otherwise, it's, it's... boy, that bum would have ripped apart I mean, the entire franchise. You know, you know that Neil Olshay actually taught Damian Lillard to play basketball, right? Oh yeah, of course. Well, and to do commercial work with that acting thing, you know, there would have been no State Farm, no Adidas. I mean, that's all Neil. I mean, I'm pretty sure Neil also is is who taught Dame to rap. He seems like he's probably oh, a really good. Oh, exactly. Rapper. I mean, uh, Dame was going to name all <laughs> six children and uh, his first three rap albums after Neil. Appropriately so. I mean, it's not. there's not enough we can right. do to it's honor really good. the memory of St. Neil. It's really good that Neil is such a humble person and asked Dame not to do that because, you know, oh, yeah. that oh, would yeah. have been you a, know. a story. Yeah, and, and Dame, <laughs> could you give us a minute on the contract request because I want to be really busy doing nothing with our cap space and burning all our draft picks over a campfire like they were pine cones. And uh, I also really think that, uh, you know, I want to draft Caleb Swanigan and, and the Spurs will like this, uh, you know, Zach Collins soon. Why don't we get him? Uh, you know, and hey, let's get no compensation for our stars. And okay. So, like <sighs> I said, it has to get better. <laughs> like, but but really, truly, this this whole this whole narrative that's out there, the fact that there are people so that Neil still has such a deep grip on is just mind boggling. Per- person, person, person. Well, there's a person. I would I would argue that there's another person as well Well, that I've seen some there might be but yeah no well I think there's some people who want to balance the fence but balance you know balancing on the fence to seem smart isn't smart when reality lies way on one side of the fence that's just out of touch anyway yeah I mean that that whole article uh, I will tell you the truth folks I don't dream for a minute that uh, Dame would be pressuring the franchise right now for that extension. It's not the time for the discussion. I don't believe for a minute that uh, if Dame had his way, the Blazers would have traded CJ and all their assets. And, you know, that Neil was protecting us from bad trades is a lot 
to swallow. I uh, just, yeah. So, I mean, that, that whole narrative was a lot. Damien Lillard is still Damien Lillard. Now, whether he wants or gets the extension, he can, he can get that almost anywhere. Anywhere who val- anyone who values Dame and thinks he's going to play a championship role for them will pay Dame. So I don't think he has to worry about getting it right now or from Portland unless like he's super injured or whatever forever. But I, I we have no indication right. of that. Right. Just take that whole article and like put it in the file of recycling. And it's just not. That's Burn just it. Not reality. Burn it down. It's not reality. <laughs> yeah. It's um, Well, and, and, and to Dame's credit, he responded. <laughs> on both Instagram and Twitter, somewhat cryptically on Instagram. Uh, I really like the the conversation that, you know, he, he posted this post. All it is is a graphic and it says, gossip may reveal the realities of its subject. It always reveals the bias of the gossiper. And then he, he his only caption was hashtag fun, F-U-N. And people are speculating that that stands for F-U Neil. And I, I, I mean, it would make sense. I mean, Spongebob no. would disagree, though. I mean, it's, if you ever watch Spongebob. <laughs> no. F is for friends who spend time together. U is for you and me. Okay, never mind. All yeah, right. I don't, I don't so, think that's... Okay. I think that that's not the narrative here. No, um, okay. So, no, Jane and was then, not giving an obscure Spongebob reference? Oh, God. No, I probably... I mean, I, I guess probably not. But then he also responded on Twitter reposting, you know, somebody else's tweet and saying that he wasn't surprised, essentially, that... Neil would, would change the narrative. Uh, well, huh? well, imagine that. It's real ironic that you know you have Damian Lillard, who essentially had opportunity after opportunity to throw Neil under the bus, and hasn't. He's chosen not to. This, in all of what's happened, but even before that, you know, even in other things that have been done and not done. Dame could have very easily thrown Neil under the bus and talked crap about him and done whatever else and built his own narrative, but he chose not to. And it's just a really ironic turn of events that on his way out the door, actually after he's already out the door, Neil goes to, to Woj and has this whole thing. And, and the, the it, really- It may not be Neil directly. It may be Neil's camp. Okay, well, whoever it is, it's somebody associated with Neil. And the, the telling thing to me is that in the, I saw somebody else tweet about this, and I thought it was really true. But in that article, there's not one mention of Neil being fired by the team. There's not one mention of, of the investigation that happened. There's not one mention of anything that would make Neil look remotely bad. It just says on his, on his exit from the Blazers or something like that, that's very neutral the blazers um, have of nba record eight straight playoff appearances how can you speak bad about the guy i mean come on it's obvious anyone if any team has an nba record eight straight playoff appearances everyone associated with them gets a free pass on everything it's like in the rules it's like the coffee punch thing you know your coffee card when you go to the coffee shop and you get eight punches and then you can be a rip-roaring ass and it doesn't matter you get a free neil's got some other kind of punches you get free toxic abuse here. <laughs> it's, it's just it's fine it's, i mean them's oh, the rules. Man. what can you do I don't know. I, speaking of rules, we're going to get fired from this podcast here. You've already fired me at least <laughs> twice. I think I filed, fired you in the first episode, but no, I no, don't actually did. have the power to do that. So I think it, we're safe. It was fun. Thank God she brought me back. I demanded a two-year extension. <laughs> um, I mean, really, you're asking for way too much money, but you know, here we are. Yeah. Now we've got an interim GM... Joe Cronin, which is really, I think, a topic that is interesting. Joe Cronin started with the franchise about 15 years ago as an intern and has worked his way up in this franchise to currently be the interim GM. And I think that that's an incredible story. I think that's an incredible testament to his work ethic. Um, Everyone who speaks about him speaks about him with 
uh, positive words. They're, they're, you know, very positive about who he is as a human being, about his ability to make good choices and to do things that will be good for this team. So I'm really happy to see that we have somebody like that, especially after this whole debacle, um, to have somebody in that position who is a familiar face in the franchise, who it sounds like people within the franchise really trust and, and admire um, and see as a stand-up human being. I'm glad for that. I think that's really a good thing. Yeah, Joe is a cap guy. And from what I have gathered, uh, what you've said is accurate. The question will be, what's his mission? And he may not be able to self-determine it. We don't know. We don't know what's going on inside the brain trust there, if anything. And there are divergent missions. I mean, one might be get under the luxury tax this year, which is a very different kind of trade than get into contention this year. Also, long-term, Dame here or Dame gone? Going towards uh, a potential quick rebuild into the contention that they never had under Olshay or going into a long rebuild for future years. And those directions probably won't be determined by the interim general manager. And they may actually have a lot to do with what ownership's priorities are now. And there's another one. There is a middle ground. Just look decent until expansion happens. And then we want the team decent enough to sell. But we're not going to take any big risks. And we're not going to incur any big expenses uh, until that happens. So all of those options are on the table. Some will be more fan-friendly than others. Some will take better advantage of Mr. Cronin's abilities, if any, than others. And we just have to see. But what we see may not be entirely what Joe Cronin envisions uh, happening or what he would ideally like to happen. There may be other things also going on that influence the direction of his actions or limit them or slant him toward one direction or another. And as far as we know, the search for a GM, a permanent GM has not technically started, although I've heard rumors that Joe Cronin may be a name that is a possibility. You know, I mean, the other names have been thrown around. Uh, One thing that I thought was interesting of note to mention was that Danny Ainge has not been contacted. I know a lot of fans are big on that name. Uh, Personally, I am not. I don't think he'd be the best person for the job. I mean, I don't think he'd be as bad as, I don't think he'd be the worst either, uh, but that probably wouldn't be in in the first batch of people I'd be talking to. So it'll be interesting to see as, as that happens, you know, as I don't think they're in any big hurry, it doesn't sound like from the comments that we're getting, they're not in a big hurry to, to replace Neil. I think especially having someone as competent as Joe is in that position, there really just isn't a big rush for it. So, well, and, Part of it, too, I'm sure, is whether or not they manage to fire Neil for cause or not, which will have something to do legally with whether they have to pay his remaining salary and or how much pressure he's in to negotiate a buyout or whatever, right? And normally, I don't think he would take a buyout, but if it seems like they have reasonable cause or they might be able to take it all or withhold it all and... They don't want to fight, and he doesn't want to risk that. The sides may come to an agreement. We don't know anything that I've seen about that. But if they're paying a significant amount of Neil's salary, and by the way, I think the proof level of fired you for cause is probably pretty high. It has to be pretty high. Otherwise, teams will Has that not been said? I just assumed that if that was the statement that was made, that that was that. Well, I, they I can guess I say whatever that. they want, but I've not heard, and correct me if I'm wrong out there in Blazerland, I've not heard anything that says that there's been a resolution on that. And they can attempt whatever they want, but they or say whatever they want, but they have to prove that they should be withholding his salary, that he did something bad enough to reasonably, you know, that violated his contract, basically. And he didn't go through stuff like arbitration or anything that we know of. So there's a big gray area there. And they may have resolved that. I don't know. Maybe it's not a gray area, but as far as I know, as far as we know, it's still in that area. My point being less what's going to happen with Neil and his money and more saying if they have to pay either all or a substantial amount of that $30 million. I don't think they're going to be real yippy-skippy on going out and getting a big-name, glitzy new general manager with a ton of experience and ego to go with it uh, because that general manager is going to 
demand the same salary and now they've essentially doubled their cost. I would say it's more likely, especially, by the way, if they're quietly thinking, let's hold the course or let's start a rebuild. If they're thinking what we need to do is reduce at this point, why would you pay a huge name celebrity GM to come in and reduce costs and and basically quietly or slowly build up assets instead of making big flashy moves. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So I think there's a reasonable chance that we see either an inexperienced GM or they stick with Joe Cronin or some someone in that lower end of the scale. Not lower end of ability. It just means they right, will be less right. tried. Experience You're not going to go yeah. out and get a Pat Riley or something like that that you have to pay a billion dollars to to do a job that probably at this point someone else could do just as well. Right. It's definitely a lot hangs in the balance. And that's what we've been seeing, you know, all over the place. Every possible media is picking this up and and running with, you know, what does this mean for the future of the Blazers? What does this mean for the future of Damian Lillard? What does this, what does this mean? What does this mean? So a lot sits in question right now. You know, we, we kind of sit in this place of, well, what, what now? It sits completely in Lillard's hands. As far as he goes, there's now nothing There's absolutely no guardrails. There's no, look, who's driving the bus? Well, there's nobody in front of Lillard at this point. I'm not saying he's driving the bus, but anytime he wants to, he gets to either pull the cord and get off or take the steering wheel, basically. Because, I mean, McGowan wasn't basketball, but he was a senior executive and he's gone. Neil Olshay is gone. Terry Stotts is gone. That's the only three people who had some kind of seniority and presence over Dame. I mean, Chauncey is the head coach, but he's a first-year head coach. Uh, Joe Cronin is the GM, but he's an interim GM and also in his first year. When Damian Lillard speaks, especially when Damian Lillard is speaking for or about Damian Lillard, he is the only authority left in this organization. I mean, even Jody Allen is not terribly experienced. Uh, She's not going to be able to go in like Paul Allen would have and try to negotiate or massage this, probably. So... If you want to know what the future of the franchise is or what the future of Dame is, which is where that question starts, Dame is the only one who knows at this point. And there's no point speculating anymore until he says something or appears to say something because that's it. There are no more influences other than him. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a bad thing right now. I think that's not a bad place for him to be in in the midst of all of this, especially for a person like Dame, who is not going to, you know, Dame isn't the guy who's going to go out and make all the decisions for everybody. He's going to have control over his future and over his decisions, but he's not going to expect to have control over everybody else's. Um, And I think that that's not necessarily a a bad thing. I think in this case, he's going to make the decisions that he feels like are best for him. And and we have no indication that that means going anywhere outside of Portland. As of now, he's maintained that that's where he wants to be. And and I think think for now, that's going to hold true. I, I don't think he's on his way out as of now. I think I think he'll he'll stick around. I know we didn't necessarily disagree on that last week or didn't agree on that last week, but Well, I mean, Cronin Cronin will at least consult him, I think, or Dame will be aware of the move the Blazers moves the Blazers are making. I assume he'll have some kind of influence. I don't think he'll charge in there and say you've got to do X Y and Z. I agree with you there, but they'd be almost negligent not to at least let him know what's going on. There is a caveat or an off-ramp to this and that's if the Blazers do decide to just completely rebuild and they've already preemptively made that decision then they have to be looking for dame trades that make sense for both Lillard and themselves and so that's the one way in which dame wouldn't control his fate entirely is if they said no we can't afford the salary we can't there's no point this is not good for you or us we're simply going to trade you for future assets uh so there's that asterisk but if that's not happening then yeah i mean i think dame is the most influential person in the franchise clearly and if you want to know what's going on right now all other things being equal he's the one whose mind you need to know so now we sit with an interim gm with dame nasir ant and cj all sidelined for injuries all of those kind of up in the air 
you know, obviously Dame's injury, there's a lot that's questioned there. We don't really know fully what's going on with that. I, I assume going forward, we'll get more information. It was supposed to be a 10 day rest. And I assume that we will hear more after that, you know, CJ McCollum today, they just announced that he has a collapsed lung. They aren't making any kind of statements about that past that as of now, as far as timeline or anything like that. But I would assume that that's not going to be a quick thing. You know, Nasir and Ant will probably come back a little bit faster, I would guess, depending on the severity of theirs. But we don't have anything about that timeline-wise as of now, do we, with them? No, but, I mean, if Ant has any choice, I would assume he would come back if he has any ability, because this is the golden opportunity for him, and actually for the Blazers, too, to see what they've got. Because there's no one ahead of him on the depth chart. And also, I mean... Do the Blazers now think about moving Norman Powell to shooting guard? Uh, so you play Simons and Powell and moving Little or putting a Covington Nance front court or however that works. I mean, I guess Tony Snell has been the choice. And there's probably a reason for that. I mean, Billups has more confidence in him, maybe because he's a veteran or maybe because he can shoot. I don't know what it is. Whatever, that they fill that small forward spot somehow and put Norm at shooting guard, that would be, I would guess, a strong possibility if Damon CJ are injured long term. So, I mean, there's a lot of, There's a lot that's open here. The problem is that none of it necessarily amounts to a Blazers winning streak. That could happen. I'm not saying it couldn't, but there's no winning combination here where you go, oh, that's the solution. If Dame and CJ are both out, boy, this team is going to have a lot of trouble scoring points on the regular. Uh, Their defense should be better, but you're about to see what life is like without many individual scorers, and it's not likely to be pretty once the league catches on. Yeah, it's. I think we'll be seeing some interesting combinations here. We're going to have to, because what else are they going to do? So we're in this kind of holding pattern right now where we just kind of have to wait and see what happens. Again, you know, I go back to what I said at the beginning of this podcast that I think at this point change is coming. It's just a matter of when and what. There's a lot that's still, you know, we don't know. It, this could go a lot of different ways right now. I don't know. I, I'm trying to look on the bright side of this. And be, I promised the rainbows and unicorns would come back this week. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I didn't know we were going to have the week that we had when I said that. But I will say that I think things will get better. You know, already things have gotten better on some fronts. So I think that's one thing. And I also think it's kind of exciting to be in a place where we don't really know what direction we're going to go. And it could go a number of different ways. There's a lot to talk about. I feel like my entire life has been consumed with talking about Blazers basketball for the last few days. And there are worse things to be talking about. So, you know, Dame himself has made noises about Ben Simmons, or at least it's come up again, that Dame wants Ben. And I still think that's a good move if it could happen. And by the way, also shows franchise commitment to the future because Simmons is on a long contract and is a young player. Now, you may not think he's the right young player. I'm not saying they should get him if they don't like him because having an expensive young player that you don't like is, is bad. But if they liked him enough to trade for him and could move CJ and Covington or CJ and Nurkic or whatever it would be, uh, some kind of three-way deal, that would be a positive sign no matter how you feel about Simmons, that they, they'd like that they like him and are willing to make an investment in him would be a signal as to which way this team is going. If it would also make Dame happy, that would be very interesting. If it would also improve the defense, that would be fantastic. And now all of a sudden, I bet you know Larry Nance Jr. looks a lot better, assuming you trade Covington away in in the deal. So I would see a lot of upside to something like that. It just remains to be seen whether it can actually be done. And if it can be done, whether they're in the position to do it or whether they're going, you know what, we're looking to trade away max contracts instead of take more on. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And I think, like you said, in the next few weeks, we're going to really see the direction that this team is going to go moving forward. Coach Billups, first negative thing overtly we've heard. Now, this is roundabout, though, that it was in uh, Jake Fisher's Bleacher Report article that experts or sources around the league are raising an eyebrow about Billups mentioning the effort of his team when he doesn't have enough credibility and tenure to do so. It's valid. It's not invalid. I don't think Billups's critique is incorrect, but this may show part of the issue that you have 
in precisely this situation, which we pointed out like it was an oncoming train this summer, like you've got a first-year head coach and you've got a veteran lineup that needs some kind of shaking up and some kind of convincing to play in a different way. The way that Billups is trying to get the lineup to play isn't working, and the buy-in is not complete. And instead of adjusting those and meeting in the middle, so far the Blazers have not been performing strongly, and Billups has not been talking about them in positive terms. Do we have an oil and water mix here, or is this inevitable because of the situation, or you know, do changes need to be made, all of the above, or are they going to work this out? I, I'm not sure, but it's interesting that the cracks are showing verbally now because they were showing on the court before this. Here, here's one of the things that's been really frustrating for me. You have Chauncey Billups, who came in preaching accountability. He came in, and that was his big thing. And great, great. That's good. That's a good thing to be preaching. But then you also have Chauncey Billups, who week after week after week after week, game after game after game after game, gets up in the post-game interviews and talks about how it's everyone else's fault. And I feel like he he puts a lot of blame on a lot of other players in and a lot of not just specifically play well on players. There's a part of me that thinks like, what what is your job as a coach? And I'm not saying that all the blame is on him either. But I do think when you come in preaching accountability and then you're in the exact same position that you were last season, that they were last season, what role do you play here? What part of this is on you? What part of this do you take responsibility and accountability for? What part of this do you step up and make changes to? For me, when when I'm listening to, you know, the players get up and they talk after the games and and we hear them say well we could have done this we could have done this we could have done this for me when the coach gets up i don't want to hear him reaffirm yep they could have done that i want him to say this is what we're going to do going forward this is what we could change this is what but there isn't a whole lot of we it doesn't seem like when chauncey billups talks about the team and maybe this is just the 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 feeling that i'm getting from it but it just feels to me like from a coach that is very much about accountability we're getting a lot of fingers pointed and I don't love that. And I don't think that that can be very good for this team, especially considering you have guys like Dame and CJ whose entire career they've had Terry Stotts as their coach. And Terry Stotts is not one to do this. Terry Stotts is one to get up there and essentially like we've talked about before on the podcast, protect them and shield them from the negativity. And so I think to go from that to essentially a coach that's getting up there and, and pointing fingers at them can't be great. That being said, I do think that these are guys who, who you know, Dame specifically wanted Chauncey, and I think he wants to work with him. I think he respects him, and I think he's doing that. I don't, Dame's never, again, given us any indication that he's unhappy with the coaching or with the coach himself. So I, I do think that he probably is working with it, but that just is a little bit of a bother to me, in my opinion. Wanting Chauncey came to a filter. I mean, that, okay, Dame himself, the only thing we've heard about this is I was shown a list of people and pointed out a couple. That's not exactly a strong endorsement. It's not like, you know, that this relationship was forged in the depths of time and has now come to fruition. I, I don't believe that the bond is bad there. I don't believe that the bond is really strong there. I believe it's coach and a star player. But there are a couple yeah. things going on here, I would say. First of all, the inevitable cultural shift. And this is part of the reality of a first-year head coach, especially when you've been a player. And Chauncey was not a superstar like Magic Johnson, but he was a good player, right? And that's where he earned his reputation. Smart players. But Dia, you and I are parents, right? And remember that fantasy that we once had that, okay, we're going to have kids. And when these kids get to a certain age, we're going to teach them something cool. I mean, we're going to teach them about good music. We got to play this game. I save this game in my closet that my kid's old enough. I want to play. And by the way, they do do some of that. I'm not saying that doesn't work. But you think, wow, it's going to be the coolest thing ever for them because it was for me. Right. And if you had experienced that yet, where it's like, this is the coolest thing ever. And they're like, ha, 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 you just keep thinking that because it's not true. And you instantly have lost all the cred you thought you had and realize you have to rebuild it in a completely new way in this new relationship. That's not unlike what it's like, I think, going from being a star, reliable, long term, respected player to becoming a head coach. 
you have the experience, you have the stuff in your closet, but when you bring that stuff out, there's no guarantee that that's going to be seen as cool, (laughs) right? Or that they're going to want to play with that. And part of it is convincing them to give it a try. But part of that is also being able to adjust how you need to change your relationship and your ideals are not going to happen when they smack up against a teenager, uh, in our case, or a star pair of guards or veteran lineup in the case of the Blazers. And by the way, you may be right. Your music and your game may be objectively better than the crap they have now, but even knowing that and being objectively correct about that isn't going to make that particular relationship work. In fact, the more you lean on that, the longer it's going to take for you to get it to work. It's definitely an interesting dynamic right now. You know, essentially, you laid out the fact that Dame is in a position where there isn't really anybody, you know, driving the truck in front of him. And that's not really how it should be. I mean, that should be the coach. That should be the GM. There should be those people in place. And so it's an interesting dynamic for sure. If I can look at the nopes, look at the look at the ideals for the season. Look at the nopes. Okay, offense is going to go through Yusuf Nurkic. Nope. Not really. I mean, because Damon, CJ, that's not happening. Who's taking all the shots? The only time that's happened when, is when literally both of them are out. Okay, Nurk's going to come out and help uh, at the three-point arc on screens and get back in the lane. Nope. Okay, it's just that's that's not working either. That uh, the guards are all of a sudden going to take accountability and play defense. Nope. <laughs> right. That Robert Covington is going to be a premier defender. Nope. Okay. That the Blazers are going to rely less on the three-pointer. Nope. The Blazers are going to get out and transition. Nope. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's at least six planks of this scheme coming in that one third of the way through the season, just are now, Anthony Simons is going to be a point guard. Nope. <laughs> okay. That's so now we're at number seven. Uh, now, it's not that there aren't things that are working. There are. I mean, Nurkic has had some great games. Nasir Little is playing the best basketball of his career. The Blazers have had some stellar efforts. There's things that are working. But the basic planks of this... He's just getting noped all over the place. And no amount of saying we're not giving effort, even though that's true, is going to fix those nopes. We got to find a yes to put effort into before we can get that effort. And that takes at least meeting halfway. And maybe Billups is trying. Because, by the way, here's the other thing that some of us behind the scenes were, as soon as he said the word accountability, we laughed. We laughed hard. It's like, I want to be a fly on the wall there. I want to see that when a first-year coach stares down the franchise superstar and player number 1A, both of which have made more money and scored more points. The only they Granted, they don't have the championship that he had in Detroit, but have, have done more in the league than he ever did. And I'm not saying that relationship it's adversarial i'm just saying did you don't have what platform are you standing on when you are pointing at damian lillard and cj mccullum and saying the big problem here with this the reason this is not working is you <laughs> you don't have a leverage as an nba head coach first year to do that you you just don't and that's why nba coaches don't do it if it were that easy terry stotts would have done it a hundred years ago but instead he found a way to negotiate around it and still kind of make it work chauncey Phillips hasn't done that and and he seems like that it's going in an abstract in the wrong you know it's going around we need to put in more effort is code speak for accountability and that effort is coming from those starting guards on defense and it's still not happening, and the accountability isn't happening, and his message isn't happening directly, or at least isn't getting through directly, and that's not getting solved right now. There's a lot of layers to what's going on here. There are a lot of layers, and we leave it with that, you know, that essentially there's there's a lot that hangs in the balance. There's a lot riding on what Damian Lillard decides to do. There's a lot riding on what the interim or new GM decides to do. There's just a lot that can go. And there are, there are a million different ways that this can go. And so we just kind of hold on to hope that it's going to pick one of the ways that is a good turnout for us, that it's not going to pick one of the ways that gets things to be worse. Well, again, define good. I mean, there's always potential good. If they stink this year. Better than they've been. If they stink this year, there's a lottery pick, which might not be the worst thing. But also, if you know, if they make a trade, hopefully 
that's either for the better or gives direction. I mean, there's in a way, you're right. There is certainly ways to get worse, and I bet the record is going to get worse before it gets better. This team will probably bottom out before it heads up. But even bottoming out is a direction that they haven't had in the last few years. And I think that that in itself will be a relief. And I don't know about you, but genuinely, you want rainbows and unicorns? I felt relief on Monday night. I mean, they had that horrible game to Boston. You know, it was just embarrassing in everything but the second quarter. And they came out and they played hard against the Clippers. Now, they lost to the Clippers because Paul George, you know, uh, and the closing moments that just the Clippers had more talent with the Blazers injured like that. But you know what? It was more fun watching the Blazers in some ways on Monday night with all their players injured than it has been. It certainly was against Boston, but it has been in many games this year with a fully functional lineup. There's still hope. There's still good thing going on. We saw it a couple days ago. By the time you hear this podcast, they will have played the Warriors. That may be a different thing. But, you know, it's, it's, I like the effort. I like the energy. That's a good place to start, as Coach Billups is saying. And if they have that and can bring that every night, then maybe they can build on that. And that's their way forward. Yeah. Yeah. I feel hopeful, though. I, I don't feel as frustrated as I felt. I feel like there's some weight that's been lifted. I feel like there's some hope. So I, I, I'm not unhappy today. Yeah. When you get the horse's ass out of the way, the unicorns come out to play, right? You know, it's just, that's the way it works. So yeah. can we title this episode that please? <laughs> I'm not sure whether we want that. We want the faithful listeners who have gone all the way to the podcast to hear that one. It's, it's just... But yeah, I mean, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start titling these episodes of the most bizarre sentence of the of the, <laughs> the night. whole podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. I it's it it's good. It's it's good. It's finally, honestly, a decent day. It's an honest day to be a Blazer fan. Let's put it that way. It's not the best day. It's not. It's it's not. It, this is going to be a bleak time probably, but it's honestly bleak. It's on. We can speak that. I mean, do people miss that? Like, oh, you're negative. Okay. No, we're not lying. But there's a freedom in not lying. And there's a relief in not lying. And at least we're together. We can agree on this. You know what? This isn't the best time. And, and, and it's bad because of the injuries. And the defense isn't good. The new coach isn't working out. And we're all questioning where this franchise is going. That's honest. But in saying it, we're together. And we can talk about that together. And we can have all kinds of ideas and all kinds of thoughts and share them for real without feeling like either some person in power in the organization or some lackey that's going to write up whatever his point of view is or some segment of fans that just wants to, to bury their head in the sand and say anything that isn't exactly what we want it to be isn't valid. That, that, that's ruled the day for way too long. Better to say this kind of sucks and be real about it and then find a way forward out of that suck than to pretend the suck doesn't suck and call it champagne and that you just know it's not, but you're stuck there drinking it because you have no choice. This is good. And I'm glad that we get to do this together and I'm glad we get to do this with all of you. Any, any last thoughts, Dia? No, I think, I think we've covered it all. It's there's been a lot, and I think we've we've done it. It's so. one of those things where you either have to we would either have to go on for like ten more hours, or we never should have started. And <laughs> hopefully, we'll have some direction next week. But we will see you then. For Dia Miller, I'm Dave Deckard. Have a happy Blazers week. Let's hope that they pull off the improbable, the Steph Curry and the and the Golden State Warriors. That there's a miracle victory at home, and the Blazers shine because of C.J. Ellaby and because of. <laughs> of all the point guards that they run in and Tony Snell has a miracle game and Robert Covington goes nine for nine from the arc. And there we go. I've just called it. So it will happen, right? And we'll be able to talk about at least one Blazer win before we get together again. Until then, have a wonderful week. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here an alley She jams it. Boom! Shakalaka! The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent! <laughs>